from the TWU Local 591 Union Hall. It's the Local 591 podcast with local president Gary Scheibel. Join Gary and his guests as they discuss topics that impact and affect the careers and lives of union members. Take it away, Gary. All right, thanks for the introduction, Tommy, and welcome back to the podcast. Russ Dittmer is here today with us. He wants to talk about what happens with overtime and field trip hours when you enter a new bid area. Hello, Gary. How are you today? Pretty good. So, Russ, we received a request to explain what is contractually expected to happen when you enter a new bid area regarding overtime and field trip hours. Russ, you've been pretty engaged with these transfer and bid area issues. So let's start with defining what do we mean by entering a new bid area? All right, Gary, let's start by explaining what a bid area is and move from there. In simplest terms, the bid area is the largest recognized grouping of workers within a specific line station. Line bid areas do not expand past a given airport station. Some examples for the AMT classification bid areas include ORD 491, which is General Line AMTs and Crew Chiefs, JFK 491A, which is Avionics Line AMTs and their Crew Chiefs, Miami MIA 491T, Line AMT Tech Crew Chiefs, etc. For our material logistics members, MLS, San Antonio would be SAT 425 line, and LaGuardia would be LGA 425T for their MLS tech crew chiefs, etc. Same thing would happen in the GSE and the facilities world as well. Normally, all of these 491, 491A, 425, etc. members in that classification at a specific line station are included within their one bid area. There is one exception to this rule, of course, and it exists within the Line 491 AMT grouping. Basically, because of the sheer size, DFW Line Bid Area 491 needed to be separated into two sub-bid areas. These are 491 Line Terminal AMTs and their crew chiefs, and 491H Line Hangar AMTs and their crew chiefs. This only applies to the Line AMTs in DFW and not to the Line Avionics AMTs. So now that we know what bid areas are and uh, what they look like, the next question is how someone can enter a new bid area and what happens when someone moves into a new bid area? Well, from here on, I'm going to use the MNR JCBA and use the typical AMT classification 491 bid area for the examples. But the same basic principles apply to GSE, facilities, and MLS members, though the JCBA article paragraphs may differ slightly for our MLS members. There are three primary methods of entering a new bid area voluntarily. One is the new hire, another is an upgrade, and the third is a lateral transfer. In this podcast, we're not going to be discussing any involuntary situations like downgrades or reduction in force situations. While possible, we also won't be discussing voluntary downgrades simply because they're very rare, but they do follow the same basic concepts as the other voluntary situations. Got it. Three basic contractual types of voluntary movement into a bid area. So let's start with the most common and probably the easiest, the voluntary lateral transfer. Sure. So in a voluntary lateral transfer, the member is staying in the same basic and or premium classification and simply moving from one bid area or station to another. In this hypothetical example, a line AMT is awarded the transfer from ORD to Charlotte. When the AMT reports to their new station, on that date, they will have their names removed from the overtime list and field trip list from their old station, bid area, which would be ORD, and also placed on the new station, bid area, overtime and field trip list in Charlotte. So then once they report to the new bid area, how are they placed on those overtime and field trip list? 
In this lateral example, the AMT would be placed on the field trip list per Article 19 field trip procedures G with the same number of field trip hours that they had at their previous station. This is because contractually, when you stay in the same basic or premium classification, your field trip hours are portable. For overtime, per Article 18Z2, they would receive the average number of overtime hours of all the eligible members in that new bid area. Got it. The lateral transfer keeps the same field trip hours, but averaged in on the overtime hours. That's right. I want to go a bit further on what average means. There's been a lot of confusion on both sides on what the calculated average means and how to get it. Some have mistakenly thought that the average is the calculated mathematical mean of the hours. Others have mistakenly thought this average is only calculated using those eligible members that actually have any overtime hours. Neither of these is actually accurate. To properly calculate the average, the hours for all overtime eligible members in that bid area must be added up, including those overtime eligible members with zero hours. And that total number of overtime hours is then divided by the number of actual overtime eligible members in that bid area. I will attach a small hypothetical example to show and explain exactly why using the correct calculation method is so important. Okay, so we have the lateral. How about looking at the upgrades next? In the upgrade example, the AMT is moving to either a tech crew chief premium classification or a crew chief premium classification in the same basic classification. This same upgrade situation would also apply to MLS, GSC, and facilities, but for now we'll stick with an AMT example. According to Article 19 Field Trip Procedures G, the upgraded member would be placed on the field trip list with the highest number of field trip hours plus one in their newly upgraded classification and or bid area. Because contractually they are no longer staying within the same previous basic or premium classification. For overtime, per Article 18Z2, the member would receive the average number of hours of all the members in that new bid area in their new premium classification. One distinction needs to be made here. Because these are upgrades, the member may be subject to a contractual trial period. If the member is not subject to a trial period, they will be placed on the field trip list and the overtime list with the applicable number of hours on the date they report to their new upgraded classification and or bid area. That said, if the member is subject to a trial period, they would not be placed on the field trip list or the overtime list on the date that they report, but instead they will be placed on the overtime list and field trip list on the date that they actually complete their trial period. This is because for overtime, the MNR JCBA Article 18X3 states that members in a trial period are not eligible to work overtime while in their trial period. And that same MNR Article 19 Field Trip Procedures G states that the member will be placed on the field trip list upon completion of the trial period. Okay, got it. What about the last one, the new hire? When a new member is hired, they are subject to an MNR JCBA Article 10 probationary period. During this probationary period, according to MNR JCBA Article 18X2, new hire members are not eligible to work overtime. And in MNR Article 19 Field Trip Procedures E3, new hire members are not eligible to work field trips. In addition, in Article 10A, new hire employees are only placed on the applicable seniority list after they successfully complete their probationary period. Because of these contractual provisions, the new hire member would be placed on the field trip list with the highest number of field trip hours plus one in their new upgraded classification and or bid area in the bid area upon completion of their probationary period and would also receive the average number of hours of all of the overtime eligible members in that bid area in their classification upon completion of their probationary period. 
So now that we have all that, what would be next to verify the overtime list averaging? This gets a little bit into the techno part of things, Gary, but to verify the average was correctly calculated means the member checking work brain. The member needs to do this after the member has completed their probationary period or their trial period. To start, the date that needs to be used is the first day after the member completed their probationary period or their trial period, because that last day worked is still part of and within their probationary or trial period. At this point, the member logs into JetNet, goes to WorkBrain, and selects the overtime charged hours reports under the reports tab. Enter the location, which is your station, the department, which is your bid area, we're going to use 491 here as the example, and the date one day after the date the member completed their probationary or trial period. Now, instead of choosing Generate PDF, click the Generate CSV option. WorkBrain will produce a file with a .csv at the end. This file can be opened with Microsoft Excel to quickly verify the correct number was used. Either save or open this file with Microsoft Excel. For the purposes of this explanation and the provided WorkBrain example, I'm using Miami, MIA, 491 for the bid area, and the date of April 22nd, 2022. Because the hypothetical AMT member completed their probationary period on April 21st, 2022. The WorkBrain file name produced for me was a series of numbers and underscores.csv. The file name may be different for you. When you look at the file, you'll see that the first row has the headings for each column and then scroll all the way down in the Excel file, you'll see that the last row with member data is row 532. I've hidden all of the rows between 8 and 529 to make this easier to see on the example provided. Column I is the only column we really need to look at to calculate the correct average. In any open cell to the right of column T in the Excel spreadsheet, we want to use the Excel function average A. This calculates the average of all selected cells which have any entry or value in them. The formula is, and this must be entered exactly for the same example here, equal sign average A parentheses T2 colon T532 end parentheses. This produced the result of 78.73446 average hours which is what needs to be applied to the member in their work brain overtime hours. All right, so that's quite a bit of information. I remember in a JCBA, for M&R, that would be Article 18V as in Victor 2, and for MLS, that would be 18Q1A, that we round down at fractions of 0.5 and less, and we round up when at 0.6 and above. WorkBrain just enters that number on that date, and they're all set. If only it were that easy, Gary. Luckily, it is for those members who successfully complete their probationary period. Their initial overtime list should simply show 79 AVG, which means average in WorkBrain, on the date in the WorkBrain report. Unfortunately, for those who are completing a trial period, it's nowhere near as simple. For those members, an additional step is required to get the desired number in WorkBrain. WorkBrain takes their previous overtime hours and either adds or subtracts the necessary number to get the result of 79. Let's use two examples. If they had 200 overtime hours previously, WorkBrain would now need to show minus 121 AVG. 200 minus 121 equals 79 overtime hours. If they had 31 overtime hours previously, WorkBrain would show 48 AVG. 31 plus 48 equals 79 overtime hours. I'm not sure what to think about all that. I'm glad you are including examples for this podcast. That said, is there anything else on this? 
No, Gary, that's about it. Like you said, I will be posting a little walkthrough showing how I got the numbers I did in that example. Of course, if there are more or less members in a real live example, then the formula in Excel would need to be adjusted accordingly to reflect the correct row and column numbers to ensure accuracy. Also, I continue to work with the folks at WorkBrain to try and make this process easier to understand and also more automated because really automating math reduces simple human errors, which I've seen a lot of recently. Okay, well then, uh, I just want to thank Russ for coming in and doing this important podcast. I know it's a lot, of, a lot of information, and I'm looking at the examples now, and I can tell you it'll make it much more sense when you listen to this and read the examples that Russ has put together. So thanks for doing this podcast, Russ. Glad to, Gary, and I hope it's uh, useful for the members. Well, I definitely think it will be. So that's our podcast for today. If there's any other subjects that you want us to do a podcast on, please send us an email at info at local591.com. Thanks again for listening, and please stay safe. For more information about TWU Local 591, go to local591.com. To comment on this or any of our podcasts, email us at info at local591.com. You can listen, download, and stream episodes of Local 591 Podcasts on iTunes, Google Podcasts, your favorite Android podcaster, or your RSS feed-enabled browser. Local 591 Podcast episodes are also available to stream and download from our website, local591podcast.com forward slash podcast. Music provided under license by pond5.com. The Local 591 Podcast is produced and engineered by Tommy Ingle. 